Hey guys, so good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, if I haven't met you, thanks for the extra claps. A little late, but love it. Love the excitement. Hey guys, so good to be with you guys again. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Tony. I'm on staff here with this college ministry. And tonight we're starting a new series. Come on, how fun is that? Yes. Yes, on the book of Philippians. And so it is called Philippians, very creative title. So excited for the next six weeks that we'll spend together journeying through the book of Philippians. We are stinking pumped to begin our time in this series. Okay, normally, you guys know how I start. Bun said I was a bit predictable. That hurt my feelings, I'll be honest. He's like, you start with jokes and then it gets serious. I'm like, okay, stop. Stop making fun of me. Bunt, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Come on, who makes fun of Okay, I disciple him. Okay, uh, so normally I start with jokes, funny things, whatever, whatever. Uh, tonight, I actually want to begin in a little bit more of a serious way. And that's because as I was studying this text, I was just actually like searching my soul. Ooh, and I realized like I was actually pretty sad this week. And, and, and this week, I just just struggling with some mental stuff. And, and this text is about this idea that Christians have a radical joy. And I was prepping this text being like, man, I just like, I don't feel that right now. I don't, I don't believe that right now. Depressionary symptoms were setting in. And I was just like, man, like, what does it look like to preach a text on radical joy when you're sad? And, and the reason why I start that way is because I think there are a lot of us in this room that are probably feeling similar things and Maybe you spent the entire week putting on a face for the people around you, for your teammates, for your classmates, for the people in your life, your best friends. You're like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. There are people like, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm good. Don't worry about it. But internally, you're beginning to crumble. And I just wanted to actually open up the door that maybe all of us could be a little bit more honest with where we're at tonight. And if you've been struggling with some sadness or mental health, I, I actually just wanted to open this way so that you could encounter Jesus and he could show you that even when you're suffering, his love for you is just as real. And in fact, I think a lot of us can feel the intimacy of Christ in a unique way in our vulnerability. So I'm going to begin our time together with prayer before we enter into our message together and pray that God would do amazing things in this place. So yeah, if you'd bow your heads with me, that'd be great. Yeah, Father, I... Um, I just sense the irony a little bit in my soul right now where, yeah, we're going to talk about radical joy, this beautiful joy that Christians have in Philippians 1. I, I can't wait to share with, with our crew here, our family here, the beauty of your word. I can't wait to teach Philippians 1, 1 through 11. But at the same time, there's this wrestling within me where, yeah, I've just had a hard week mentally. And yeah, Jesus, I feel like I'm walking in tonight needing this text and I'm needing your spirit to remind me that you are with me, that you're present in this place, that you've never let me down and you won't start now. And so, Father, I feel weak, honestly. I don't feel strong, but, but I trust that in my weakness, your power would be made perfect. And pray for people in this room, if they're feeling tired, if they're feeling sad, if they're feeling struggling with mental illness, that tonight, Father, would you actually begin the healing process for a lot of people in this room? a chance for their minds to be renewed by the beauty of Christ and for their hearts to be softened to your word. And Father, would you speak in ways that I can't, in ways that none of us can, through your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so welcome to tonight. The conversation that we're going to be having is looking at this radical joy that we'll see 
in the book of Philippians and specifically starting with chapter one. So, hey, if you got a Bible with you, we'd love for you to take it out. Like actually take out your phone, take out your Bible. If you don't have a paper one, we'd love to give you one. I think we've got like four left in the lobby, but we will get more. Okay, so take out your Bibles. We'll be turning to Philippians chapter one. You can put like your little thing in there, the the tassel thing, because we're going to be in there for five more weeks. So Philippians chapter one, it's about 80% of the way through your Bible. We're going to be beginning with verses one, and we're going to be looking through verse 11. And I've got three parts to my sermon tonight. And part one is this, the path to radical joy is paved with friendship. So if you're a note taker, you can write some notes. Also, I highly recommend uh, scripture journals. I don't know if you, or scripture Bibles. Wait, that's all Bibles journaling Bibles? Okay, thank you so much. I was like, that didn't make sense, but I didn't know why it didn't make sense. You know what I mean? Um, So get a journaling Bible. You get like some like things on the side and you can write down notes as you read the Bible. It's fantastic. I've got one. It's it's so good. But we're going to start in verse three and look through verse three through five. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. All right, guys, so I wanna give you guys two sets of context, okay? One set of context will be on the book of Philippians. I'm gonna kind of break down what's happening, understand like when the Bible was written, who's it written to, who it's written by. But before we do that, I actually wanna give you guys some context on some of the values we hear at Salt Company, we have here at Salt Company. And so one of the things that we're about to do for the next six weeks is embark on a journey to look through the four different chapters of Philippians and see what God has to say to us in his word. And here's why we're going to do that, okay? We stinking love the Bible, okay? Borderline obsessive. I don't know how anyone could live without it. It's that good. It's so beautiful. And so what we're going to do as a reflection of our love for the Bible is we're going to teach verse by verse through this entire book of the Bible. Now, this is a nerdy word. I'm just going to say it. Don't cringe, Okay. This is called expository preaching. It's where you take a text of the word of God and you expose the beauty of it to the people of God. And our hopes is actually that as we look through this chapter or this chapter today, uh, but through the entire book of Philippians, that all of us would leave with a renewed sense of understanding of God's word. And here's why we do that. It's because we want you to love the Bible. We want you to open up the word of God, to start your day, to end your day, whatever, your night owl, I don't care but to open up your word of God day by day and expose the beauty of God's word in his text. And my hope is actually that while we teach through the book of Philippians for the rest of the semester, that you too, in your time with God, would open up the book of Philippians, that you would become someone who loves the word of God and sees the beauty of God in the book of Philippians, and that actually we would be the type of community that can be like, yo, Philippians 1, great chapter. Philippians 2, oh my gosh, the humility of Christ. Philippians 3, righteousness through faith. Like, like I want you guys to know this book, and so our hope is that as we teach through it, that you too would under standard. Okay, back to the sermon. Here's the context for the book of Philippians, okay? This book may be one of the most misquoted books in the entire Bible. I can do all things, you know what I mean? Like, you get it. You're like, oh no, that's a tough start. Like, they've never read the book of Philippians, but they know that verse. Okay, it might be one of the most misquoted books in the entire Bible, but it is a book known for Paul's unabashed desire for us to understand the joy of the Christian life. Now, that's pretty cool, But I think when it really, really helps you is when you understand the context by which Paul was writing this letter. So Philippi was a city much like St. Paul. That's why it's called Philippians, Uh, Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians. They were two people to churches in a specific city. And Paul was writing this letter from a prison cell. Now, prison today sucks. Prison 
2,000 years ago sucked even more, okay? It is very likely that Paul, as he was writing this letter, would have one of his arms shackled to the wall, that he would be beaten, bruised, dehydrated, maybe starving, didn't have shoes for sure, very dirty, and he's writing this letter. And now, you got to be thinking to yourself, if you're in that spot, right, you're in prison in some dungy cell 2,000 years ago, are you writing about joy? It's like, no. You're like, gosh dang it, life sucks. You know what I mean? You're like, what the heck? And yet Paul, even in the midst of that, is writing about joy. And so the conversation we're going to be having tonight in Philippians 1, 1 through 11 is how can he write about that type of joy? He's sitting in prison. He's waiting potential execution. He's left alone, and yet he's writing about radical joy. So look back with me to verses 3 to 5. As you glance down there, here's the first thing that I want us to see from this text, that in verse 3 to 5, here's what we learn, that Paul was isolated but not alone. That he remembered his friends, the people of the Philippian church, the campus group he had, the church he had, the people of his life that he was a part of. And when he thought about them, it brought him joy. That he was isolated, but he was not alone. Because he remembered that in this pursuit of walking with Jesus, you need people to walk with. And it was actually in that that he remembered the joy that he had people, his friends, his homies, people who had given to his ministry, people who were with him in the fight, people who had encouraged Paul, and they would be sending each other letters. And it was like this beautiful friendship that he had with the Philippian church. And when he thought of them, he thought of joy. And Salt Company, here's my question for you. Do you have people in your life that encourage you to walk with Jesus? And I don't want to take that for granted because actually I remember first coming to know Jesus when I was 17 and all my buddies thought I was freaking weird. Like they thought I was weird before, but they were like, no, he's super weird now. And it took a long time before I actually found Christian community, before I found brothers in Christ that would actually encourage my walk with Jesus. My question for you is, are your relationships based on something more than the superficiality of human relationships in our world today? Because my guess is for the vast majority of you guys in this room, the friends that you have, you're friends with them based on something that you do or a class that you took or the parties that you go on the weekend. But my guess is you have very few people in your life that are actually caring about the internal structures of your soul. So my question is, do you have people in your life like Paul did? The Philippian church. And Salcom, here's what I want you to see, that he was isolated, but he was not alone. That even though he was isolated in the cell, he had so many friends around him. And yet I think for a lot of you in this room tonight, I just want to pull over and say, my guess is you have the opposite situation. Where you're surrounded by thousands of people on your college campuses, and yet you feel so alone. That unlike Paul, that in his isolation, he felt relationship and friendship and community. That you, in the midst of thousands of people on your college campus, you feel utterly alone. So my question for you is, do you have friends like Paul had because the path of joy is paved with friendship. Okay, so as I was thinking about this, the people in my life that have been these friends for me is actually my connection group. So I am in a connection group, a small group of a part of our local church, Salt City Church. I am a pastor there, but also a member there. And my connection group leader is Crooked T. Come on, how great is Terry? Yeah. He's actually here tonight. He'll be doing a shepherding. Be aware, it's gonna be awesome. But I freaking love T. Like, he's amazing. Like, I I love my connection group. And honestly, when I read this text, every time I think of my connection group, I think of, like, joy. Like, when I'm sad, when I'm distraught, when I'm struggling with depression, my connection group has actually been such a comfort and joy to me. And and especially Terry. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I, I just didn't grow up with a very supportive father. And so Terry for me, has been in many ways uh, a spiritual father in my life and a friend that encourages me to walk with Jesus. And, and so, Alchemy, the reason why I bring this up to you 
is because I actually think there's a future for some of you in this room where you'll come to Salt Company on Thursday nights, and this will be your only touch point with Christian community. You'll come from 8 to 9.15, one hour and 15 minutes of your week, and you will spend the rest of the weeks, hours of your week, separated from Christian community. And I can't help but wonder, could that be some of the cause of your sorrow? Could that be some of the cause of your depression? Could that be some of the cause of the brokenness within your soul because you don't have others to walk this life with? And listen, whether or not you know Jesus, you do know this, that a lonely life is a joyless life. So the opportunity you have tonight is to commit to Christian community. So here's my application for this section of my sermon tonight. Join a campus group. Like, come on. Like, some of you guys have been coming to Salt for like five weeks, and you have not joined a campus group. I'm telling you, this is great. But campus groups are where the real meat of our ministry happens. Like, that's the real beauty of ministering to each other. Like, we want you to be a part of a campus group. And secondly, if you're a freshman, come to Freshman Friday. The vast majority of friends you've made so far, my guess is, in college are friends with you for superficial reasons. Invest in relationship for spiritual reasons. Okay, moving on. Part two, part two, if you're a note taker. The path to radical joy is rooted in security. Look with me to verse six. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work for you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is maybe one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. It is an incredibly popular verse. But, but as we get into it, have you ever noticed there's like moments or days or weeks or months in your life where you feel happy and then it begins to fade? Like it actually begins to fade into the background and you begin to wonder if any of that was actually real. Like you start to feel happy and maybe for some of you you're thinking through like, okay, things in your life that make you happy and you're actually thinking through your body image. Like, like one moment you're in your dorm and you look in the mirror and you're like finally content with how you look and then you go to the gym and suddenly you feel insecure again. Or, or maybe for some of you guys, you guys find happiness out of academics. Like, man, dude, I, I've been discipling Hope for like a couple years. He's been having like this like hardcore battle with Calc for like two years now, you know? He's been losing, I'll be honest. He's been tough. It's been tough. Sorry, Hope. Hope knows it. Look at him. He's sad. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Radical joy, Hope. You got this. Uh... <laughs> But maybe it's like, dude, like hope like passes a calc test. It is like so excited. And then you get sad because you're like, the next test is going to be harder. And then the next class is going to be harder. Sorry, that was so personal to hope. I am so sorry, dude. Uh, I'm going to apologize about that later. Um, or, or maybe for you, you, you find a lot of like happiness when you finally get the date with the girl or guy you wanted. But then they cancel on you. And the simple reality is happiness in this life ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. It actually feels fleeting. And here's why. It's because this world continues to change and your interior structures are insecure. And so the school, athletics, relationships, your body image, your popularity, or your friend group, all those things will come and go. So if you find your happiness in those places, here's what we learn, that happiness is fleeting. But here's the secret that Paul understood, that happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever. That true radical joy is based on something that will never change. Something far more secure than anything that this life can offer you. Look back with me at verse 6. Here's what he says. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Guys, look at the sheer confidence that he has. He's like, I am sure of this. And Paul's confidence is this. Not in himself, not in the Philippians, not in his ability to be a good Christian, but in him, the God of the universe, the character of his grace. His faithfulness is where his confidence comes from, that God is outside of ourselves and outside of the volatility of this life. 
The same God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, who has never changed and for all of human history will never change. The God who created everything in the palm of his hands, verse 6, says he uses those palms to hold on to you. And he will never let you go. So here's the good news that I have for you tonight. That if you leave with just one thing, here's what I want you to know. That he doesn't change when the world does. That when your boyfriend breaks up with you, he will never change. When your mental health starts to decline, he will never change. When you fail that class or get benched in that sport, he will never change. Salt Company, your life and the world around you will continue to change, but God never will. Verse 6 teaches us a theological concept called the perseverance of the saints. Really dropping some, some nerdy stuff on you guys tonight. And here's what that means. That when God chooses you, saves you, redeems you, and puts his spirit in you, he will never give up on you even when you walk away. Even when you doubt him. Even when you leave him behind, he will never leave you. Okay, so who remembers the vid, okay? COVID, have you guys heard of it? It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, I'll sing back to the COVID times. I know, two years, feels like 30, you know? No one in this room is 30 except Terry Langland. So anyways, that's an that's a age joke. Don't use on. Okay, so I was thinking back to the COVID, COVID time, and oh my gosh, can you remember how crazy it was? Like, oh my, everything's shutting down. Crazy stuff. But I actually remember thinking back to that time of my life, and, and that was just two years ago, but I remember the first couple weeks of that time entering into uh, a pretty serious depression. And, and it wasn't just like a week thing. It wasn't just a month thing. It was, uh, it was one of those seasons of my life where I was like, oh, this is going to be really long and really hard. I remember this moment where I was walking around this lake, Bidemakaska, uh, also known as Lake Cahoon, and I was walking with Rachel's husband, Colin, actually, who's a good friend of mine. And I'd sunken so deep into a depression and like a sense of despair and hopelessness that I remember saying to him a sentence I never thought I would say after I became a Christian. And I was like, Colin, I don't, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I was like, I just, I don't know if I have it in me to believe. It had been weeks since I spent time with Jesus and Functionally, it felt like I was living without joy and living without hope. So I'll come to you. That was two years ago, and God has been really faithful to me since then. But it was actually in that season of my life that this verse wasn't just words on a page. That this idea that the one holding on to me was faithful to me, even when I failed, became real to me. And here's what I learned. This text is actually incredibly practical. If you study the Bible, you'll learn that the Bible is a timeless word, that it was written thousands of years ago, but it will be continued to be read for all of human history, but it has a timely impact. And it was this verse that God reminded me of his goodness, that even when I left him, that he would never leave me. And I think there's some of you in this room tonight that I just want to speak to you. I've just been praying about you. And maybe you're here. And you remember a past season when you encountered Jesus and you've been straying for a really long time. And it's taken all the courage that you had to just show up here tonight. Here's what Philippians 1.6 says about your life. That even if you've walked away from Jesus, he will never walk away from you. And if you know him, if he has encountered your soul, 
then the door is wide open for you to come back. So I'll come to you. Here's my encouragement for you tonight. The reason why radical joy is rooted in security, the reason why that's such good news is if God will never fail you on the single most important thing about your life, your relationship with him, then he will never fail you in every other arena. You can have joy in the midst of suffering because he will never change on you and he'll always come through for you. Okay, so finally, our last part tonight, what happens when we experience radical joy? We love others. So look with me to part three. You can take that, this as a note. The product of radical joy is love. Look with me to verses 8 through 11. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And that is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, guys, think with me here. Paul is literally in prison chained, chained to the stinking wall, awaiting potential execution. And then he says crap like this. He's like, I love you guys. A lot of affection for you. I yearn for you. It's like, that's crazy. Like, think about your worst day. This is what Paul is living in. And he has the wherewithal or the potential or the enablement to actually love others even in the midst of his pain. This is crazy. The fact that even in his suffering, he was able to love the people of the Philippian church and call them to love. Saul Company, here's what I want you to see in this text, that his joy was not rooted in his circumstances, but in his eternal security. And so he was able to have joy in the midst of suffering and overflow with love to the people around him. And here's what's true about your life. You can only love others when you know that you're loved by God. See, I want you to see this in verses three, three to five and verse six. That Paul knew in verse 6 that God would never let go of him. And so he knew that God loved him so much. But he also knew that he was loved not just by the Father in heaven, but by the family of God on earth. He had love from his community and from his Father. And because of that, the overflow of that, the overflow of the joy that he received when he knew that he was loved by both his Father and his friends was to love others. And Saul Company, when you know how much God loves you, so much so that he will pursue you even when you leave him. So much so that you'd go up on a cross to die for you. When you know that God loves you, you, have, you can't help but love the people around you. And as you love others, you are continually being transformed to be more like Jesus. Verse 11 says this, that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from him for the glory of God. And that's Paul's prayer for the Philippians in verse 8. And that's my prayer for us, that we would be a people defined for love, that out of a place of overflowing joy, that we would be able to love others that way. Okay, in review, if you take notes, if you want to live a life of radical joy, the path to radical joy is paved with friendships. Okay, the whole me and Jesus crap, like, oh, I just, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. Great, okay, do life with others. Don't do life alone. A life of loneliness is a life of joylessness. Don't do life alone. The second part is the path to radical joy is rooted in security. The reason why happiness is fleeting and joy is forever is because happiness is rooted in things in this life that can be taken away from you or that you will lose. But the joy that you have is not rooted in anything in your life, but it's actually rooted in something outside of your life, the kingdom of God and his faithfulness to you. And the third part of our sermon tonight is the product of radical joy is love. 
that when you know the good gifts that you've been given by your father and the friends that you've been given by your father and the joy that you have, you cannot help but love the people around you. Okay, so as I call the worship band back up, here's how I want to end tonight. Guys, I want you to see that the world that we live in is starving for love, that we are physically full but spiritually emaciated, and people are killing themselves for the love that we just talked about. The love that overflows from a joyful spirit. The love that overflows from knowing that you are loved by God. They're laying their lives on the altar of achievement so that they can finally feel like enough. We live in a world where people are giving away their bodies to feel approved of and desired and drinking away their pain because they feel empty and unlovable. But Salt Company, here's what I want you to see. That people are killing themselves for love because they do not know that love was killed for them. 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not know the love of God, who does not love, does not know God because God is love. So come here's what I want you to know as you leave this place tonight, that Jesus Christ is love and was killed for you so you don't have to kill yourself looking for love. And the good news, the great news that we carry to a watching world that is starved for love is this right here. That Jesus Christ is ultimately love, and the thing that everyone is looking for is acceptance and approval and love and admiration, and what they can get in this world is fleeting, but what they can get in him is forever. It is eternal. It is so much better than anything they can get on this side of heaven. So the great news for us is that the Lord, that love has died for us so that we can actually overflow with love for the people around us. And so here's what I want you to see as our ultimate reason for joy. Our path to joy is paved not just with the friendship of believers, but with the friendship of Christ. John 15 talks about this beautiful reality where Jesus came, not just for us to be servants, but for us to be friends. Jesus wants to walk with you in your journey. Second, he sealed our eternal security with his blood and proved power in his resurrection so we can trust that he is willing to hold on to us if he was willing to give up his life for us. And third, this is just so beautiful that he showed us the intersection of ultimate love and ultimate joy on the cross. Look with me to Hebrews 12, verse two. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, he for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So coming on the cross, we see a perfect intersection between ultimate joy and ultimate love. Joy in the midst of suffering, radical joy that, the, that goes past our circumstances and our situations. This is what Jesus has modeled for us. The one who perfectly loved and had radical joy in one moment on a cross. So Saul coming here's what I want you to know. That happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever because Jesus Christ is eternal. And the invitation for you tonight is to stop looking for happiness in places and joy in places that will leave you, that will change, that will fall away. But find your eternal joy and your eternal security with King Jesus that he will never leave you or forsake you. Let me pray that that be true tonight. Father, we do believe that you are working mightily in this room, that your spirit is heavy, that, Father, you are bringing people into this room that need radical joy, joy that supersedes any circumstances or situations, joy that is greater than anything we could ever imagine, joy that only comes from remembering that we are rooted in our eternal security with you. And Jesus, if you're going to be faithful to us and the one thing in life that matters more than anything else, our eternal security with you, then won't you also be faithful in every arena of life? Won't you be faithful to us as we are struggle with anxiety, 
Won't you be faithful to us as students in this room are struggling with sorrow and the grief of losing others? Father, you will be faithful to us. And so we believe that radical joy can only be found at the foot of the cross, looking at the one who had the perfect intersection of love and joy. That Hebrews 12, 2 is real, that you, you saw the cross. And for the joy that was set before you, you climbed up on it because you knew that ultimate love can only overflow from ultimate joy. And so, Father, would we be a counterculture of people on our many different campuses in St. Paul? Would we be people that are full of love, a love that this world is starving for? And, Father, would we be people that carry the good news that you do not have to kill yourself looking for love because love himself was killed for you? Would they see the beauty of the cross and would the campuses of St. Paul change? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.